Have a seat. Good morning. I said good morning. I'm sure you're out there. Good morning online. Don't anybody in the room talk. Good morning online church. All right. I trust that you uh, responded wherever you are. Uh, Man, you know my name. That is true. God knows your name. But the reality is some of you in the room and some of you online, God knows your name, but we don't. Right. We have we have not met you in this craziness of the last year. We have a healthy group of people that consider themselves a part of Relentless Church that have never been to this building. Right. Which is crazy. So we're super excited. And one of the ways we get to know your name is is an event um, called Welcome to Relentless. Right. We'll do this a few times a year. It's been a long time. It's the first time we've done it like this. And we've changed some things we used to do and bettered and upgraded all that. So it is a week from tomorrow. Welcome to Relentless. It is in this room. It's a Monday night. And we so appreciate you guys that signed up last week on Easter Sunday because we made a big deal about it. And I'm just asking you if if you want to know more about us. If, if you've been, uh, you know, in the shadows for whatever reason, or maybe you've been with us for years, but you just want to know, like, you need a reminder, or maybe for the first time, like, what are we about? Because, you know, we're, we're trying to regather and rebuild, and like, what, are we, what, what is this all about, and why is this worth it, and what are we, like, we're all about the gospel, and we're church, and there's a bunch of, like, what are specifically Relentless Church? What are we trying to do? Where are we trying to go, and how might you fit into that? So that's what this event is. It's Monday night. It's casual. It's fun. We'll give away. We'll do all kinds of stuff that I won't spoil. But all we need you to do is sign up. We want to know you're coming, so we're ready for you. So you do that on the website. It's easy to find. Uh, We would love to provide childcare. We don't want to have any reason um, for you not to be able to make it. So we'll take care of your kids. Um, But we got to know that you're coming. Uh, Do that online a week from tomorrow night. Do that online today, but the event is a week from tomorrow night. Now, we, we sing, and I, I'm so thankful for our worship team. Um, now that we are in one service for the, for the time being, we, we do what we call a run-through, but the reality is it's, it's really first service, right? We get to just worship, and, and, and they're, just, they're just a blessing to our church collectively. But I think sometimes those of us, and there's a lot of you that don't fit in this category, and there's kind of some, some stuff you don't have to deal with, there's, a, there's some of us in the church that grew up, like we went to church a lot, right? And that's not a bad thing. But one of the struggles if you went to church a lot is you kind of heard it all. And we can sometimes sing stuff and it just comes out and we don't even stop and think about the gravity of what we're singing. We just declared, and it was beautiful, we just declared that the God of the universe who somehow keeps everything together and knows and sees all and loves all, that the God of the universe knows your name and what you're thinking right now. Wow. Right, that's heavy and that's a lot. And I, and I know some of you believe it, right, in the room and online, and that's beautiful, but, but I want to, man, I want to push in this series that we're starting to get today called How Do I Know? Right? How, how do I, how do I know if, if what we sing and what we say, do, do I, here, let me, let me go to some sports because that's what we talk about here. And you don't even have to like sports to go with me here, but this was a monumental week in my sports life, right? It's not all about you, pastor. I know, but sometimes in sports it is, right? In one day, my college basketball team hired a new coach. And in the same day, my professional football team traded for a quarterback. 
in the same day, right? It's a special day that God will mark, right? So, so I can only put this picture up of, of Hubert Davis for a few seconds because I know some of you and you're in church and I don't want anybody walking out. I don't want anybody closing, slamming their laptop in anger, right? This is the new University of North Carolina basketball coach, Hubert Davis. When I was 12 years old, this was my favorite player, right? I, could, I was him in my driveway because he, he shot a lot and I shot a lot. And that was like, I was Hubert Davis. And now fast forward and, and he's hired and I'm so excited and all this. But there is a segment of the fan base, if you're a Tar Heel fan or if you're not a Tar Heel fan, there's a group, hey, this isn't going to go well. And the reason it's not personal against Hubert Davis, although it might be, what they're saying is, here's the knock on, on my man. He's never coached a game as the head coach ever of any college, ever. And now he's the head coach. And here's what I'm here to tell you. I have full confidence in our new coach, my new coach, not your new coach, I know. I'm moving, I'm, I'm gonna get off Hubert quickly because I know you can only handle so much. <laughs> right, he, he, he's never coached, I get that. But, but based on how and the plan and who, and, and they know that he's never, and all of that, it's, it's, I believe, I think, He's going to be great. In fact, we're not talking about, the, the title of the series is not how do I think, it's how do I know. I know, I think I know. <laughs> let's, let's get off that. Let's go to or football, get on basketball, football. Because here's the reality, if you don't know our church, we have five buckets, all right, college basketball. There's three local teams, so that's, that's, that's one, you know, um, those are three buckets, fan bases that cheer for one of the, the three and the local teams and the one, two, three. And then there's a group of fans that cheer for a team outside of those three and we welcome you and from where they grew up or another local team down the road, whatever. And then there's another bucket. So there's the state, there's Duke, there's Carolina, there's all the other college teams people cheer for. And then there's a bucket that does not care about any of that, right? So you fit in one of those buckets, right? Well, and that's okay, we're split. In football, though, it's different. In professional football, as a church, we feel like Jesus has called us to support the Carolina Panthers collectively. Like we can get behind that together, right? We can argue about, and some of you, I hate football. Great, hate football, and you're a Carolina Panther fan. That's part of who we are. Now, some of you grew up or wherever and you got your team, and, and that's fine. You keep your team, but you have a second team. When your team's not playing, you cheer for the Panthers because that's who Jesus called us to be, right? So we keep pounding in that. So, on the screen is, is we, we traded a few picks for this dude named Sam Darnold. Same thing, there's a lot of haters, right? He used to play for the Jets. We got a few Jets fans in the church and the Jets tried to destroy this man, right? They, they, he dealt with the Jets media and he was this high draft pick and he, he bombed, like he was bad, like bad. And we just traded a bunch of stuff to bring him to Charlotte to be possibly our new quarterback. That's the guy on the left, number 14, Sam Darnold. Pray for him. I think, I really think he's gonna be great. Now I'm biased, he's our guy. I think there's something in him that New York killed and, and God is gonna bring it back to life for the Carolina Panthers. And the reason I believe that, not because he's ever shown it, he showed it in college, not that he's ever shown it, he's never done anything good in the NFL. But the reason I believe it is because the other man on the screen that we hired a year ago, Matt Rule is his name. I think he's the best thing ever. He's the coach. When we hired him, most people never heard of him. I was like, that's the perfect hire. He's going to be a legend. He's going to be one that goes in the Hall of Fame. I just know it. He hasn't done anything. He's coached one season. It was the pandemic season. He didn't even get to you know, do all the stuff you normally do, and it wasn't a good season. It didn't go well. 
But I'm like, well, what are you basing that on? I'm basing on what he's already done. If you know football, I think there's less than 10 human beings in the world that can do what he did. He took a dead program at Temple. He took a deader program at Baylor and he brought them back to life. You don't see Jesus in that? And now he's our coach, Relentless Church, Carolina Panthers. I, I just know, I know this is gonna, this is gonna, just give him time, it's gonna go well. I know it. Well, you're like, you don't know. Well, I think I know. Here's what we do, right? Some of, our, some of us, we get real brash, we get to talking, we get to talking smack. And somebody eventually, when you talk so much, somebody just says, you wanna make a wager? Right? You wanna put some money behind that? Right? And we do. There are people in the room, I will not call you out by name, that pay for my lunch because I was right and you were wrong. Right? Sometimes it goes the other way, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> right? If you really think you know something, like, let's put something on it. Let's see how confident you really are. No, I know. This is our coach. This, this is our quarterback. This series will be in this week and the next two. It's, it's important. For you, the follower of Jesus, and for you, the not so sure about Jesus. To just give you permission, young and old, been around this thing for a long time, this thing is new to you, whatever, wherever you are. What do you know versus what do you think? What do you know versus what do you hope to be true? You ever heard this argument? I heard it. Many, many, many years ago. You probably heard it. It goes something like this. There's a Christian talking to somebody who's not a Christian. And they make the case, you know what? I'm a Christian. You're not. You should be. Well, why? Well, think about it this way. If I'm right as a Christian and you're wrong, whoo, boy, right? That's going to be bad for you. But... As a Christian, if I'm wrong and we get to die and there's nothing or whatever, if I'm wrong and you're right, I still win because I lived a good, loving life and tried the best I could and turned out I believed in something that wasn't real, but it still helped me live a good life. So either way, the Christian says, if I'm right and you're wrong, man, you got to come on my side. But if you're right and I'm wrong, then I'm still good with that. That is horrendous logic. <laughs> Don't ever make that case. It's against Scripture, what Scripture says, what Paul, who we talk about all the time, what he says, we did resurrection, Easter, all that, but it's not just a day for us. What he says is, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, and if we don't raise from the dead, we preached that last week, if you don't raise from the dead, you are the most pathetic type of creature on the planet. If there is no resurrection, then Christians are wasting their life on a level that nobody else is. It all comes back, not to what we, not to a holiday. It comes back to, did Jesus? And, and we talked about that a little bit, but we wanted to hit this series to go deeper of what do we know and why do we know it? And I'm gonna start with one of the verses that my dad quoted as much as anything, especially in the last year of his life. It comes from 1 John 5. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. My dad was, he didn't stand on stages. He didn't like public speaking. Uh, he was a lifelong uh, teacher in a high school and then an assistant principal towards the end of his career. But 
As some of you have heard the story before, this is an emotional uh, Masters finals today. We got to go to the Masters, me and my, my dad, when he was sick, and that was 10 years ago. I can't believe it's been 10 years we were at that event. He was diagnosed in 2010. He died in 2012. We had an incredible 15 months knowing that you know, he wasn't going to get better outside of a miracle and spending time and doing things. And in that, he was very bold in his faith. And not just when he was sick. I just want to encourage some of you maybe that are a little older than I am, right? Spiritual growth. My dad grew spiritually more from age 50 to his death than he did the, the first 50 years of his life combined, right? There, there's no limit. Like the next season of your life, whatever your age can be the most powerful spiritual season of your life. It was true for my dad. So so he just locked onto this verse and he would be so bold and he would tell family members and cousins and, and anybody and the, all the way up to in his hospital room, like if a nurse, hey, he just would kept quoting, I, I wanted to talk to you about Jesus and, and because you can know, you can know that you have eternal life because here's the reality. When you get a diagnosis that tells you you have very short, precious time on this earth, things get really clear about what's important and what's not. Right, things get really clear. Here, here's, the, here's the deal of our church. That's what we've been trying to do for six and a half years. Let's not wait for a diagnosis to live the lives that we're called to live. Let's not wait till some doctor tells us we have precious short time. Let's admit we know we have precious short time. I don't care how healthy or what age. This life is short. And let's live like we know that we have eternal life. A few verses later, John says in 5.20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Not a true, but the true, the truth. So as we get into this, right, sometimes when, you, when you're around church or faith, and somebody like me is standing on a stage, sometimes it can feel like you're being asked to have blind faith, right? So you're, you're felt like, hey, what I'm hearing is kind of crazy, <laughs> but he's saying it really confident, so I should probably just believe it, right? That's dangerous, right? I do say that I pray, one of the things I pray for every day is I pray for boldness and passion from God, not from me. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm being bold and all that, but, but that's not enough, right? We don't really believe, like sometimes there's blind faith, right? We just saying, even when I don't see it, you're working. So there's a blindness and I don't see you working. And that's the most beautiful things when I don't see it, but I still know in my faith. So faith is beautiful and there is a something to blind faith, but don't take blind faith is, hey, I don't ever think or, or question or really dig into anything. I just accept it. No, that's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is built on something, and I think it's good to ask the question, why do you believe what you say you believe? And what do you say you believe, right? Young people, I have three teenagers. One of them was killing the drums a few minutes ago, and, and he's 16 years old, and it's, man, he's heard a lot of this stuff a lot of his life, and he's at the age, and has been at the age, it's even younger than that, where Okay, Jackson, what do you believe? And, and how much of that is because it's what your parents believe versus that handoff to know this is mine. 
My parents have helped me, and that's a beautiful thing, but it's, I don't need them for my faith. What do you believe, and what is it built on? I want to I look at something Peter said to, to the church, and it's in what we call First Peter. And the context is, man, there's some people that may come at you, and, and he was writing in a context where it was super dangerous to follow Jesus. Like, it could cost you everything, physically, financially, and here's what Peter said to the church. He says of those people that could come at you, hey, have no fear of them, 1 Peter 3. Don't be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Here's the deal. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet, my paraphrase, Yet, don't be a jerk about it, right? Are you not coming at people and hitting them over the head with the truth, with gentleness and respect? Hey, people are going to come, and some people will have bad intentions. Hey, you, you don't have relax. You got Jesus. You don't have to be scared of humans, but just be ready. Whether it's good intentions or bad intentions, anybody that comes in your path the week of April 11th, 2021, if you're a follower of Jesus, be ready. Be prepared to give a defense. What's the reason for the hope you have? And if you didn't know, if your reason for the hope you have is, well, because grandma had it. That's weak. Thank God for grandma. It's a start, right? But we got to go past that. I think some of us grew up in contexts where you were ridiculed outwardly or at least shamed on some level if you asked certain questions. Right? We don't ask that. We don't push on that. And I just think... According to this verse, if I'm expected to make a defense for the hope that I have, then I got to have permission to push and to investigate and ask some hard questions. I think that's part of our faith growing. If God wants us to be, always be ready to make a defense, then we got to have an environment where we can say, why do we believe that again? Right? Where does that come from? How do we know? And it's, it's so complicated because there's so many things that get put into the umbrella of Jesus today, right? That's why our, our world that is hurting, and it's always hurting, but I think right now, coming off of the last year, I think, I think we're more hurting than ever. I think we're at another level of brokenness. And people think to come to something like this or even to check us out online or to be a part of a Jesus church, that they think it means all these other things. They think they've got to sign on to this or sign on to this or believe this crazy thing or political, this and that. And the reality is the core of Christianity has always been and will always be one thing, the resurrection of Jesus. So that's, that's like when people are like, well, what about this? I, I, I got a message from one of you. Thank you for sending that this morning of like, hey, I'm, I'm sending this, losing my religion, some of the stuff we just preached, you know, the last month. And I'm sending it to people in my life that I think need it. And then they're coming back with some crazy ideas and, and all kinds of, you know, rabbit hole, rabbit hole, rabbit hole. And that's fine. We'll have those. We'll pray through those. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to what do you believe about Jesus? We're never going to agree, church, on all the secondary down, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth thing. Well, what do you believe? Like, we're never going to, and we can talk about that stuff, but at the top of the list is always going to be simply, did Jesus die on a cross and raise from the dead? So, how do we know that? If everything's built on that, do we think that? I think Jesus rose from the dead. 
Or do we know it? There is a just enormous Michael Bowman-sized gap between thinking it and knowing it. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know him, he's a big dude. That's all that means. We're going to help you know it, right? I think God can do that. I know God can do that. I think we can help you as his church. And that's the key word, help. How how, how do I know? We're not going to talk about the resurrection every week. We're going to talk about different things the next two weeks. But for today, how how do I know? And this is going to hopefully, if if you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you need to revisit this. You don't be scared of this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, there's nothing more important to spend your time on right now. You're listening to this in this room. You're listening online. God's doing something in your life or you wouldn't be. Even if you can't see that, he is. You need to dwell on this. How do we know? So help, we're going to help you. Help is an acronym. How do I know that Jesus rose from the dead? H, help is spelled H-E-L-P if you didn't know that. H is history, right? I never want to run from scripture, but you can go outside of scripture and get a whole lot of faith built just by studying History, every, almost everyone, I say everyone and you're going to go send me some crazy. Scholars that are reputable agree that Jesus was a man that walked the earth. Scholars agree that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago and scholars agree that Jesus died on a cross. Right? Again, you can find some, but 98, I'm not talking about Christians, 98% of historians, theologians, Christian, non-Christian, secular university across the ocean, America, 90 some percent of them, a high percentage agree. Jesus was a man, he was Jewish, he lived 2,000 years ago, and he died a pretty horrendous death. Right, so historically we have that much. So, so how do we know, how do we know that he then rose historically? Well, We also have agreement that there was a movement that grew crazy, right? People that don't follow Jesus will admit, man, from AD 30 something to AD 300, there was a, there was an explosion of this thing that we now call Christianity wasn't called that then. That is really hard to explain. And it's kind of funny to watch people that are not Jesus people try to explain their theories of how it went from nothing to just different Countries, different cultures with what? No power, no money, no status. It was like wildfire. It was like a virus. I hate to use that analogy too soon, right? But it was. It was like, how is this going everywhere so fast? And you go back and you read historical documents and and people that weren't Jesus people and how they talked about Jesus people and what they were known for. They were known for loving people that no one else loved. There's quotes in, in Roman documents that these Christians, they didn't come, these Jesus followers, these Jesus people, they don't just take care of their sick and poor. They want to take care of ours too. That love, this countercultural love changed the world. It's a historical fact. And you study Jesus. No historian makes the case that he had this great army or he had this great title or he came from this great family lineage. He had no power, no status, no military, no money. And he died a brutal death on a cross. And everyone agrees about that much. What in the world happened? That this Jesus and this gospel would show up to a tribe and Jewish people that their whole lives were built on the temple would leave the temple to follow Jesus and Greeks that have followed a thousand gods, literally their entire existence, all these pagan gods, and they would leave all that to follow this Jesus. 
just because they hear a gospel from some stranger preaching in the middle of the market. Not once. Over and over and over. Africa, Europe, Asia. And that was just at the beginning. Now, if you know history, the worst thing that happened, and God is always working, but there was an emperor of Rome that became a Christian, sort of, right? There was something, and then he decided that to be a Roman citizen meant you were going to be a Christian, and he mandated Christian, Christianity as a part of being a Roman citizen, and government, and Jesus started, and it just kind of went really ugly from there. But, but even the ugly parts, even the ugly parts of history, and there are plenty, when you study it, here's what's encouraging. The ugliest parts of history, there's people that stood on a stage and taught horrible things in the name of Jesus. When you study it, the things that they taught, the things that they said, the things they were about, were the things that Jesus stood against. They were using the name of Jesus, but what they were doing and saying was against him. History shows that. We could, I could talk. I like history. You know? But we got an acronym, so let's move on. E, eyewitness accounts. This has built so much of my faith, studying. Somebody that saw it and wrote it down and how they wrote it down. And if you're like, well, I don't, I, you know, now you're talking about scripture and I don't know that scripture is what we say. Come next week. All right, we're going to get specifically, how do, you, how do you know that what we're reading is, is legit and what was originally written and said? We'll get to all that next week. But today, resurrection, how do I know? Because of eyewitness accounts. All right, we talk about Saul and to Paul and this, this guy who didn't believe and, and he was after Jesus and Jesus showed up while he was walking and, and, and we have this account of what happened to him and how he became this incredible missionary. But so many people whose lives completely flipped and it was built on, like think about the logic, which we'll get to in a second, but think about if all of us in this room, because it, it wasn't much more than this. It was a few hundred like legit Jesus inner circle followers when he went to the cross. All of us in this room, we're following this Jesus. We think he's the Messiah, son of God, about to turn everything upside down. Then he dies. Not just dies like car wreck, awful. What? Jesus gone. No, dies like arrested, doesn't fight back, looks like a complete loser, pathetic. And then they hang him in a cross, mostly naked, bleeding, and he doesn't fight back. And he dies an animal's death in front of the whole city. And his people scatter. Only a few of you, like probably the, the, the six here up in the front, that was not much more than that. That actually stuck with him to the very end. And then he raises from the dead. Right? If I'm writing that, I'm probably not going to tell you how I gave up on him. I'm, I'm going to leave that out. Or maybe I might lie. <laughs> right? But over and over again. There's this transparency and this authenticity and these details that are backed up historically and archaeology, archaeologically through the centuries, and it just doesn't make sense unless they just told us what they saw. That Jesus was first witnessed, the very first humans to see his resurrected body. He went on to appear to over 500 people. He wasn't hiding, but the very first people to see him resurrected were women in the first century. It's like, well, that's just random. They just must have been coming through. No, that was all part of the plan. Jesus intentionally wanted women who were not allowed to testify in a court in the first century because their testimony was not valid because of their gender. And that's the people Jesus chose to reveal himself to first. 
Like if you're trying to get people to believe something that's not true, that ain't it. If you're trying to get people to believe something that isn't true, then you tell them, hey, we knew he was coming back. We knew the whole time. But the eyewitness accounts, they tell us nobody had that hope. Nobody has nobody expected nobody on Easter. Everybody thought he was in the tomb forever. And then something changed, and historians agree, something changed. And the world has not been the same. Well, like maybe they were so hurt and so broken that they just made up a story that he was alive when he really wasn't. Well, the problem with that is they were arrested. These disciples, a lot of them were arrested and they were put on trial and they were in situations historically where all they had to do was say, Jesus isn't who I say he is. And they would have been released. And 100% of them chose to die instead of say what they were wanting them to say. Well, the only, they saw Eyes saw a dead man come back to life. And we're living in the beauty and the result of that. The L, trying to help you, history, eyewitness, is just logic. And I've already spoken to that. But just, again, let's run from, if you grew up in this context of, hey, use your mind in school, but in church, don't, right? We don't think here. We just are sheep, right? That's a Jesus term, so just... I'm the pastor, I did my work, you don't have to do work, it's Sunday, you don't have to think, just do what I say. Trust me, I got you, right? We're running hard from that, so use your brain, why? Because God made it, right? We're not anti-thinking people. God is the inventor of the supercomputer of all time, the human brain, so use it. And Jesus is, just logically, he's acknowledged in the major religions, and in fact, he's spoken well of in the major religions. He's considered a good person or a good prophet or a good teacher. It's almost as people are scared to speak poorly of him. Yet, Jesus is the only one. If you want to make a table and a buffet of all the religions, you make a buffet and you get to, Jesus is the only one that claimed the level of exclusivity that Jesus did. He did not allow himself to be a choice in a buffet. He said crazy stuff that no one else said. Right, if it's man-made, we talk about religion is man-made. If it's man-made, what sounds more man-made? Hey, there's a thousand paths to God. You call it, well, you have your truth, I'll have mine. We'll all get to the same place. It'll be beautiful. That sounds human origin to me. If there's actually one truth, then you would say that. And he did. John 14. I am the way. And the truth and the life. Check out this, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you're going to know my Father. From now on, you do know him. And what? You've seen him. What are you talking about? We didn't see God. Oh, yeah, you did. It's me. We are one. I'm the Son of God. We are connected. No one gets to God the Father unless you come through me. There's a gate. There's no secret path. There's one way to get to God. It's through me, Jesus. That's a bold claim. What sounds more man-made? The religion and performance and man, human is the hero. And if you do this, and if you're good at this, and if you don't do this, then you'll be good in the day. Or the gospel that says no performance is going to measure up to a holy God, and God sent Jesus to do for you what you could never do for yourself, and he's the hero, and your faith in him is the key to life. 
Like logically, people want to say Christianity is just like, it's so different. Let me show you this chart. We've used this before. I love it. All right, on, on one side of the screen, all right, these are people, and, and I, if I had time, because it's almost, if it wasn't so sad, it'd be hilarious. Some of these, like these are a list of people, most of them you've never heard of, that claim to be the Son of God or Messiah. I mean, Google some of those. My goodness, it's like, it's crazy. And you know what is crazy? Let's, let's just say this out loud. And all the people that claim to be the Son of God, it's crazy how many of them tell you that God told them that they get to sleep with your wife. Isn't that crazy that that's just a common denominator about people that think they're the son of God? Anyway, crazy people that most of them you've not heard of. And then there's another list, and this is a, there's a bunch of lists, but this is a kind of compilation. It's a list of people that, not Christians, but historians say had the most impact in the history of the world. These are people that had the biggest, and I know most of those guys, I had to, let me see the other list of the people that had the biggest impact on the world. I know most of those, I didn't know old Kai Loon. Raise your hand if you know Kai Loon. All right, see, I feel better. Thank you. All right, Kai Loon, he invented paper. Pretty awesome, right? He invented paper. I didn't know that. So, so these guys had the most. Here, here's, the, here's why I show you. This is huge to me. Logically, there's only one name on both lists. All the people that have claimed to be Messiah, you know some of you never heard, and the ones you have heard, you know they're crazy. There's a bunch of people that impacted the world, but only one said, I am the Son of God, and everybody agrees, has had the largest or one of the largest impacts on the world. Use your brain. All right, just people have investigated. That means so much to me logically. The people that have investigated Christianity for the purpose of convincing people it's false, and at, their end, at the end of their investigation, they become followers of Jesus. They're all over the place, and they're public, and there's movies. They're also in this church. Maybe they didn't, you know, weren't trying to investigate to, to prove it wrong, but they were just like, I don't believe this. And now they do among you. It's amazing. Like, how do we explain that? How do you explain that last Sunday in villages, outside, inside, huge crowds, small crowds, online, masks, North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, whatever continent I forgot that people live on, rich, poor, different styles, different music, different order of service, but there was, in essence, the exact same gospel preached. Globally, we, we agree on basically nothing, and yet... Our church that we support and people we love in Honduras and across to the ends of the earth, there's the exact same gospel of Jesus that's changing lives. 2,000 years after a man died and supposedly rose from the dead. It's amazing. It's logical. He must have. Nothing else makes sense. And I think the last piece of logic for me is just death, right? Agnostic and atheist, if you're familiar with the terms, there's a growing segment of agnostics. Atheist is, is a much narrower, like, atheist is, I'm sure there is no God, which if you're that sure there's not a God, you kind of are God, because how can you be sure? Because you're saying, you can't know there is a God. Okay, well, I know there isn't one. Well, how, like, right? So that's a small group. But most people are in this agnostic bucket, which simply means there's probably something out there. I don't know his name or her name, and I don't know, and I don't think we're going to know, so I'm just going to do me. I'm not sure, right? 
Here's, if, if there is a designer, if there is a creator, if there is a power, if there is a whatever you want to call it, you know what makes no sense logically? Death. In every culture, in every human being, whether they admit it or not, when you see someone die, as some of us have, when you see death happen, there's something in you that says, man, that can't be the end. And that's not just wishful thinking that was put in us. If there is a designer that designed our bodies and this amazing thing, you see a baby come out of a woman and, and all, the, all the stuff that makes us alive, if that all was designed and then all of a sudden somebody's just gone? Like my dad, like I, he just, one day he's there in the room and then the next day like our, his body's there but he... The soul, like he's just gone and it's over. That makes no logical sense. If somebody can design us and give us life and make us different than any other species, there's no way that they would purposely design it to end in death. Well, that'd be cool if that was true, but how do we know? Well, how do we know is because that's why he sent Jesus. Not to cure cancer. No, he did better. He just, I'm going to defeat death so you know that I'm not like you. I'm God visiting earth. The P in help is personal experience. We'll talk about this more the next few weeks, but as much as we love history and eyewitness and using your brain, at some point, it's got to matter to you. You've got to experience this Jesus. Head knowledge is not going to get us where we want to go relentless. It's part of this, the, but, but if you're not experiencing Jesus relationally, then it's just religion, it's just on paper, it's just theory, it's just intellect, it's got to be personal. And I didn't, I didn't see Jesus from raising the dead personally, but I saw the confidence in which my dad walked into his death. I've seen lives changed with no explanation, not a little tweak, not a little improvement. I've seen lives radically change. I've seen people walk through the most horrific circumstances that they should not survive. And I've seen them come through it with this amazing, beautiful, raw faith. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of people coming closer to Jesus through the worst mess you can imagine. What? I've seen what we preach, the power of the resurrection. Some of you, let's be honest, some of you are so scared of change. You're so scared of change, and Jesus is the author of change. we got to embrace transformation. You know what we should be scared of? We should be scared to death of not changing. Because when you're not changing, then now you're running your own life. When Jesus is with you, there's always going to be change. Don't be scared of it. it. It actually proves that the resurrected Jesus is still alive. That's how we change. It's what we see. I felt it. I've seen it. In my story, in your story, and so many others, my marriage was dead. My future was dead. In some ways, my hope was dead. Eight years into my marriage, 2006, it was over, should have been over, only Jesus. It's the only answer I got. I don't get bonus, right? I don't get commission for making up stuff that Jesus has done. He just does it because he's alive. And he'll do it in your life, and he'll meet you as you trust him. You get to see him work. As you trust him, you get to see him work. So here's the two people we're preaching to today. One, if you would say, I don't know that Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know that. Right? We're so glad you're listening. We're so glad you're here. We're, we love you. We're praying for you. And if you don't know that, and some people, 
raised their hand last week. And if you did that and you've not sent us an email, I'm begging you, come on now. You did the hard work. You put, you, God moved in you. You put, like, let us know. That email still exists. Yes, at relentlesschurch.cc. Right, we saw God move in that. And, and we also received some emails and had some conversations. And the, for the first time in a very long time at Relentless Church, we have a baptism Sunday on the calendar. Amen. Two weeks from today, April 25th, will be a beautiful. So if you want to get in on that, you want to talk about that, we would love to have that conversation. If you're not there yet, if you don't know, man, your next step is to stay with us in this series and to know that only thing that matters is what you believe about Jesus on the cross and resurrecting from the dead. And if you do put your faith in that, then your next step is to surrender your life to him. And baptism is a piece of that. And we're going to celebrate the miracle of that in a couple of, of weeks. It's not too late to get on, in on that. The other person is the person that would say, I do know. I got questions. I got doubts. I got issues like everybody else. But at the end of the day, I do know that Jesus died for my sins on a cross and rose from the dead. If you know that, you think, well, this was for the people that don't know. No, this was for you. This is the impetus. This is the push. This is the launching pad for your week. Your week is different if you know that Jesus rose from the dead. You're not scared. You're not affected. You're not as stressed. You're not as, as owned by your circumstances. You know Jesus rose from the dead. You know, therefore, you'll raise from the dead. And this life, bring it on because you get a chance to be this carrier of the power of Jesus and the love of Jesus, the love demonstrated on the cross, how much he must love us to send Jesus to the cross and the power to raise from the dead. That love, that power now lives in you, in your school, in your dorm, in your life. And it's the, what pushes us to go live this week. Should be excited and ready and pumped because listen, church, I think we've lost the willingness to risk in life, in church, We've lost the willingness to take risks. Where does that come from? It comes from knowing Jesus already defeated death. What am I going to be scared of this week? Every time I risk, he meets me there. I want to, I want to pray that the truth of what you know or what you're considering will affect your week. Father, thank you that you did it. I can't imagine trying to stand on a stage and say anything of value if Jesus didn't actually raise from the dead. God, thank you that, that we have faith in that, but thank you that there's evidence. And God, I just pray that you would take us to the next level, that we would know, even maybe in a way that we didn't know before this series. And God, for those that, that are investigating and trying to figure out what's real and what's not, would you show up Right in that personal way, so give them, I don't care, God, you are God. Like if it's a dream, if it's a conversation, if it's a sir, like just be present in their hearts and minds as they try to figure out what's true and what's not. God, for those who, who know, I pray they would know this week in every conversation, every decision, and every scheduling, they would just know with clarity what this life is about and what is to come. And it would empower us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.